What are you doing, rolling? Face front. And keep driving. Sure, I'm Emmett Myers. Do what I tell you. And don't make no fast moves, or a lot of dead heroes back there get nervous. From now on, while you're driving, keep both hands high on that wheel. And you, keep one hand along the top of this seat. The other hand high on that window. All right. Now turn off the next side road we come to. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So this month uh, we are taking a look at Ida Lupino and we move now, I guess, to probably her well, her most well-known directed feature, which is The Hitchhiker. Um, so Mike, is this was this uh, another new one for you? I know it was for me. This is one I had heard about from a lot of people. Like this is the one people, like when, if you're going to watch an Ida Lupino movie, this is the one. So, uh, But it was brand new for me. What about you? Yes, it was uh, brand new, and I watched it on YouTube, just as the director intended, <laughs> because... Don't you uh, have a hard know. copy of this, too? Don't you? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, I was, you know, I was at work with nothing to do. I'm getting paid to watch The Hitchhiker. That sounds far Pretty more pleasant good. than not being paid to do so. Um, <laughs> I don't know, probably. Uh, you know, so I wasn't watching it in the best possible version, but um, where this one's in the public domain... Uh, I guess a lot of copies that are floating out there are not going to be the best possible version. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think I got it right. <laughs> I, I don't know of all, all of the movies of hers I've seen so far, this fits in that sort of, uh, you know, grindhouse type vibe. I didn't mind that I was right. probably watching a somewhat lackluster copy. It was, uh, and I also did not mind getting paid to watch yeah. it as well. That was nice. Especially for a lowly podcaster such as myself. <laughs> I enjoyed that more than not getting paid. Mike's just putting one over on the man. This is, this is Mike's getting away yeah. with one. I like yeah. That. But I, I mean, I think you're right too. Is this is um, out of the movies we've watched of her so far. That's probably the most straightforward. Um, there's not a lot of, I mean, there are twists and turns, but it is like one kind of solitary story, like just following these three men on this adventure there's stuff where it goes back and forth between the police that are involved but most of the action is is centered on this one car ride so i don't think it is challenging your attention too much so i think if if you're going to watch a bad copy i think i think that's okay and i think if you're interested in older movies it's something you have to get okay with right like these lackluster copies sometimes that's all you're going to get even if it's on hbo or amazon or Netflix. Sometimes the copies that you end up with are not exactly pristine. It's not like watching a movie from the 70s, 80s, 90s, or now, right? Well, I mean, I guess I was somewhat nostalgic, too, uh, for my youth, where I was just happy to have access right. to things. Like, we, we're incredibly, incredibly spoiled now, where there's this sort of elitism to like watching the like appropriate version for it's your first time. It's not in 4K. If, you know, I'm not interested, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. I uh, was texting with our mutual friend Webb uh, and I was making a joke 
of myself that I was purchasing the Gone in 60 Seconds remake with Nicolas Cage and Con Air. Uh, which, I like both of as those. As far as I know, has not. Good well, feature. I was about to say Con Air has not been remade yet. Uh, I would be fine with that if we got an updated version. Yeah. Uh, but right next to that in the screenshot I sent him was Touch of Evil, also for four ninety nine, and I was not purchasing that. <laughs> and I was just making a joke of myself. I was like, <laughs> look what I value. Like as far as like that's worth five bucks, that's not. And the immediate response I got from him is, don't purchase that. That's not the like definitive edition on iTunes. Like stay away, stay away. And oh, I was just God. like, all right, you know, just making a joke here, okay? But you know, I didn't buy it. So that makes. Sure I, but I felt like I had to let him know, hey, I'm actually like not being a snob there, like you. I I just wanted to watch Con Air and Gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> I'm just simple. so yeah. <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> so, uh, but another thing I want to uh, you know, if I'm going to give shout outs, it's something that you and Andrew said on Awards Don't Matter. And I, even though I'm like giving you credit for what you were talking about, I forgot exactly what you were talking about as far as the film. But you were mentioning uh, one of the best picture nominees from like the second or third awards year that actually you can't watch anymore. Oh, yeah, that's like it's just uh, like it's Patriot. a film lost. The Patriot, it's gone forever. Yeah. So crazy. look, I'm not Take gonna bitch too much get. about finding this. <laughs> on, you know, I can just type it in on my phone and can mm-hmm. be like, I'm I'm watching it. And you know what? I'll give even more credit to uh, Miss Lapina here. Even though I was at work, I moved it over to the iPad. Ooh. <laughs> I took it off the phone. Now gave, that yeah, is high praise. Bigger, yeah, okay. yeah, bigger presentation. So can I yeah. assume you um, enjoyed the experience of watching The Hitchhiker then? If you had to move to the biggest screen you could manage? <laughs> no, not really. No, I, di- I didn't. didn't really enjoy it. Um, I thought this would be a movie for me. Me too. But then quickly gathered no this is not because i i have like a distaste for like uh, getting into the mind of like just a of pure evil i mm-hmm. guess which is what this this guy is and he seems to relish in it and we have to listen to him for on on like i it was one of those things i thought this is incredibly well made uh i i this might be my favorite you know for your categories as far as her like actual craft her sort of directing job but I like I certainly don't care what happens to him and I also because of the time period there's this sort of um there's this expectation I guess that we're just delaying of what ultimately will be the resolution which is I highly doubt at any point he's just going to murder them and leave them on the side of the road and move on to the next like I know that we have to sort of wrap this up which you know reading on it based on the real events this guy actually did get caught in, in Mexico, it's fine. But what you're left with then is just kind of listening to his bullshit, which I quickly tired of. Yeah, and Mickey, I Mike, the Mike would have died in this great. movie real quick. He would have been like, oh, you know what? Sass back Shut the fuck up. I'm not, I'm not listening to one more second of this. Uh, your whole thing about like, I have a lazy eye, so you'll never know when I'm asleep. Well, I'm going to test that by coming and like knocking the shit out of you. And if you shoot me, you shoot me. But at the very least, I don't have to listen to one of your like evil Sith Lord monologues or just god how many like beans cans of beans he wants and all this <laughs> stuff like that yeah i just it, it's it's funny like reading like on imdb one of the like few bits of trivia which i was kind of uh you know i was disappointed in that uh is that uh the, the man who played the hitchhiker here uh, said the closest he got to winning an academy award is that someone pulled up next to him and he's in a convertible and the i guess the other driver or passenger looks over at him is like hey you the, the the hitchhiker guy? He's like, yeah, that was me. And the guy got out of his car, came over and slapped him. 
And I'm like, this was, that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's that good crazy. acting. And he took it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, like, so when you say enjoy, I guess that's kind of been the theme of these movies so far. Is that they're just like, uh, even with the, the previous two where I'm rooting for the central characters, uh, they're just incredibly tense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of, uh, joy in, uh, Joyville for these, you know, <laughs> these characters, but I respect the hell out of it. It's a cool looking movie and it's brisk. Uh, it's an hour, 10 minutes. It uh, doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Other than that guy. Um, it's the rare time, <laughs> like just the two simple, I guess, decent men. I'm, I was fascinated by their conversations when they were like briefly left alone when mm-hmm. they're debating, like how to manage this. And you're right. I would have been the one that say, let's just try to fight him now. And if I die, I die. I just can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know if we even make it to our first, like, <laughs> you know, pee break. Definitely not making it to Mexico. Road. There is no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me too much that you had that reaction, mainly because we've had our discussions about your distaste for like true crime. And this definitely Very falls much. into that category. Like she, you know, apparently like went and, you know, the person it was based on, she went and visited him in jail and interviewed him extensively. So she really does feel the need, I guess, to like get into the mind of evil or the mind of the killer here. Uh, but for me, I think the three lead performances are all so strong that it just carries it for me. And like you said, it's only 70 minutes. If this is a two hour long movie, I probably get to that level you're at where I'm like, oh God, will you all just please shut up? I am done with everyone here. And I think it's smart that, um, cause I think if he just kidnaps one person, I think there's no sense of stakes. There's no sense of danger. Uh, but I like the fact that he's constantly playing them off each other and like openly mocks them and says like, you know, if you guys were willing to sacrifice one another, one of you could have gone free. And I like that kind of interchange between them. Um, and I just, it makes me wonder if, if you have a reaction to noir films at all, because this definitely does fall into that category. It's a little, maybe a little grimier than the, the film noir that people recognize right away. Um, but definitely has that sense of tension and that darkness and that kind of, it's just kind of all consuming and just kind of intense and beats you down. So what is your experience with noir? Do you think that's a part of it or does some of that stuff work and some of it doesn't? Well, I just watched uh, Night in the City, which is uh, 1950 um, noir about like uh, basically like a huckster. I mean, it's uh, I don't know what he is at the beginning of the film, but like in the first 10 minutes, he kind of sees an angle to become like a wrestling promoter. And I I like that. I enjoyed it more. Uh, It's not that he's a likable character, but I guess like that sense of desperation from someone who I don't really, I'm not too concerned. Like, I'm just like, well, I wouldn't make these choices, but I'm along for the ride with you. Uh, and we'll see how it works out. And it's, yeah, maybe he's like kind of being a little bit of uh like white lies, a little bit of a thief. Uh, it is the, um, th- this one is just like, it's just like really nihilistic as far as this, yes. this character, this, this it's main really character. Mean. It's like, it's a mean movie for sure. <laughs> yeah. I can understand a guy who's just like, I got nothing. I don't know. Maybe I'll just like, I'll just bullshit people and tell them I can, I can, I can promote wrestling. Yeah. That's the ticket. And I'm like, sure. I, <laughs> it's not experience not? I'm going to have, but <laughs> what's the harm? Whatever. If you can line your pocket, go for it, buddy. Uh, so very different in, in tone, but 
Uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, um, I'm trying to think like double indemnity, stuff like that. Like you're not like rooting for good people, but I guess you're more, I'm more interested at least with those type of crimes and seeing if they can pull it off. Like there's an element of danger mm-hmm. to the, uh, the, the sort of the criminal enterprise from people who usually quickly get in over their heads. Right. Uh, this, I mean, this guy here, uh, yeah, I don't think there are any particular shades to him. And I mean, he, you know, he has a troubled childhood that they kind of allude to, but I don't know. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> not, not to bring, uh, like Christopher Nolan into it. Uh, cause as of the time of this recording, he's the Christopher Nolan war is <laughs> added again on film Twitter. I guess just because it's the only possible new movie, yeah. big new movie that people maybe can talk about. We'll see. Uh, but I, I've said before to you privately and probably publicly in my grumblings online that his his version of the Joker, I much prefer to what we got with Todd Phillips, where it's like, just give me the guy who's just a bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about the one that actually had like a troubled upbringing and we're going to spend two hours with like, you know, analyzing like, you know, well, what made him this way? I just think that all of them are full of shit. So I, I guess to answer your question in a long-winded way, <laughs> uh, I like the, the the simple kind of liars, the ones who you don't really know where they're coming from, as opposed to this one, which is just pure darkness, pure right. black, this character. Yeah, and I think in those other movies, even with, with the good guys, with the bad guys, there's lots of shades of gray, right? And there's lots of charm to it. And there's a way of speaking, there's a rhythm to it that you're just kind of like, well, okay. There's a, a sexiness to, it. to right. the lifestyle, maybe. Absolutely. And not this, here. Not, this not is here. not <laughs> at all. Like it just <laughs> kind of burrows into the darkness and stays there for the entire movie. I think maybe if there's, there's a weak spot in this movie, I think there's certain like plot mechanics that I'm like, wait a minute. How, how is that working exactly? Like they introduce this character as like, you know, he picks people up and he kills them and he buries them. And somehow they know what he looks like and who he is. I don't like no one has survived any of these. But yet somehow we have a picture of him on the paper and it does a good job of like setting the tone and setting the mood of it. But I do catch myself because I watched this twice going, wait a minute, how how do they have a picture of him? I mean, he was sure he was like a convict before, so they would have a picture. But like, how do you know it's him doing all this? And then all the stuff with like the Mexican police and the United States police that it just feels like eh, we're just we're just starting this in here. So we have a way to get to the end. Uh, and it doesn't seem like there was a lot of thought put into it. But the stuff I do like are like the interactions once they get across get across the border. Um, where, you know, our lead, I guess the lead character in this is the villain, really. Like, he's the one kind of moving the action in yeah. this movie of him constantly kind of telling him, no, you're not allowed to speak Spanish and the way they have to like struggle to interact. I like all that stuff, all that. And it, and they managed to do it in a really efficient way. That could be really difficult to watch and like, oh God, just, just have everyone speak English or Spanish because I just cannot deal with the scene extending anymore. But all that stuff really works in the way that the police get alerted like those plot mechanics are done really well and really quickly it all takes like maybe three or four minutes to set up and then you understand why everyone gets to the place that they are um and then that final kind of showdown it's it's weird it works for me but it's also a little strange like they have this whole setup with him like okay you're gonna wear my clothes so they're gonna think that i'm you and like there's a little bit of a moment where maybe they think there's a he's the other guy but they they deal with that really quickly like it's strange to have all this set up for that and then have almost no payoff for that like quote-unquote mistaken identity like you get maybe two seconds of like is it oh no it's the other guy 
and then they just gotta move on from. Well, it. the the thing he uh, never seemed to work out is, uh, wow, there's ar- always a uh, a third guy that is closely behind another one, and it looks like he's armed. He's got something in his pocket. Why is he, <laughs> why has he always got his hand jutted out into another man's back? Uh, I I mean, I like the desperation of that our our, our main character, our, our villain here, um, in in that way, but. Yeah, like the the stuff where he, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's sadistic, but I I guess I like what you're referring to, where he's like attempting to break the, basically break the bonds of their humanity. It's not just their friendship, but it's like you know this this decency that um, not everyone is totally out for themselves. Uh, sociopath here, where they're like, who can I sacrifice so I can move on to the next stage? I mean, these are two friends who were taking trip together and there's the an element of gray as far as exactly what they were doing like going down to like mexico like they have this thing uh which i guess you're meant to reflect on where they could have avoided this interaction if they had been tempted to you know to check out i guess the the nightlife but one of them was asleep and so the other one's like ah whatever like now nah, i guess we'll just press on and then i think it's the following scene where they they meet the guy who's gonna yeah. terrorize them for the rest of the film that stuff was good, and I mean, just the, the bleakness of the uh, surroundings is very different from the other, you know, film noir you're talking about. As far as just like this empty landscape, as opposed to this, the oppressive city that you're trying to get out of. Uh, another one I just watched was the the Asphalt Jungle, which I really liked, which is a heist movie, and very much the, the city is something that almost all of the characters cannot wait to get away from it is like this is like a uh, a tumor like on on their actual like their soul to get out there and that's in a relatively kind of amusing heist movie as well (laughs) like that but it you know uh and i don't know i I guess like if we've really got to my particular taste in this genre um i think you nailed it as far as i i i have been kind of primed to expect a certain degree of charm Mm -hmm. to the lifestyle even if even as many times as the characters tell me if I could just make this, I can just get out of here. I mean, as an outsider, I'm enjoying being in this oppressive city because it all looks cool. But they're they're telling me it's a hellhole, but it's really enjoyable seeing them try right. to like fight and claw and get out of that. This one, uh, you know, it's I mean, it's like a cousin to like riding around with um, Javier Bardem and like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Like that's the type of person you're spending your screen time with, and that's for me. I mean, unlike you, like the monster you are. I don't find that pleasant, Dave. I don't like that as a companion on the road. I think that's a that's a great comparison, actually. It's not something that came up while I was watching it, but like as you said it out loud, I was like, oh yeah, that is exactly it. Um, I think from a directorial perspective, and I don't know how much of this is due to her research and talking with this horrible, heinous criminal that she went to visit in jail, and how much of it is her own creation. But there's there's little things in movies like this that will, in general, will tend to bother. We're like, okay, how do you get in and out of the car without these guys jumping, you know, our villain? And I like that they have, like, a reason for that. They have a setup for that. Like, he tells them exactly how to enter and exit the car so he remains in control of the situation, and it becomes very realistic. Uh, and, of course, there's more ridiculous things, like the lazy eye, you never know when I'm asleep, uh, which works on kind of a horror level, but maybe not, like, on a, any kind of realistic level you're like uh i think i could probably still tell let me throw a rock at your face right see if you did you you flinch or fire the gun yet exactly (laughs) Exactly. just got cracked in the skull i guess guess i won that one Uh, there's another one a more modern 
film, uh, not uh, film noir, but it definitely has that kind of like the desert sort of Western vibe. This does at certain times uh, with Criminals Way of the Gun with uh, the Christopher McQuarrie's uh, first uh, directing gig. Uh, really cool, like um, I guess like the, the heist here where they're trying to kidnap a pregnant woman to hold her for ransom, played by Juliette Lewis. Uh, the way Benicio and Ryan Philippi hold their guns they very often do not have their finger on the trigger. They have it on the side because they were going through actual like sort of gun training. And they're like, well, that's a quick way to like with the adrenaline to accidentally, if you don't intend to shoot your target, this pregnant woman here, those small details always really liked in that, that movie that, uh, you know, most people, I don't know if they've, (laughs) they've seen it bombed back in like 2000. Uh, but I don't know if you're a mission impossible fan, check out wave the gun. Yeah, I liked it. It's got, it's got James Conn has, uh, he's got the headlights on. His nipples are like <laughs> poking oh, through. Oh, well, now the audience scene. is in. <laughs> I look. Way to bury the lead. Up a bit. Mike. <laughs> Hands on guns. Who cares? Just get to the sexy I, stuff. Look, I, I'm just repeating myself now. I did a podcast on Wave the Gun, and I remembered, like, yeah, yeah, I went through how like they got the technical stuff right, and that was really interesting to listen to in the commentary. But man, James Conn's nipples. Jesus. What, <laughs> what's going on here? I like this. This is enjoyable. <laughs> so I guess it shouldn't surprise me that um, that Ida Lupino gets all the little stuff right because I think that at least so far in the I think three movies of hers that we've watched so far, I think that's a really that's a theme that's going on here is that from a directorial perspective, like she's really doing the extra work and she really knows what her shots entail and what they're going to get across, and it is very efficient not just in the length of time the movies are but the way she gets her ideas across so like she just keeps like whether you quote unquote enjoy the movies or not or if it's a step up or a step down like i think her choices like are understandable and really impressive and feel very modern given the fact that these movies were made in the 40s and 50s i mean i think so this is like her you know, breaking out of the mold, at least on this this podcast for sure, what we've talked about, like doing women's issues uh, early on in her career, uh, even if the first one was somewhat accidental with her her taking over the the director's seat. Um, it's it's impressive that that change of pace, but I think she brings that sensibility about really drilling into like the humanity of her characters. Uh, I think maybe we expect it more if it's about like, you know, some form of like, here's a problem in society than this, which is like, oh, it's kind of a B-level crime movie, right? It's a thriller like this one. And I'm not knocking this one, but it's like, you know, this is probably something that uh, you could see like an Ashley Judd starring in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it's like a very simple thriller premise. And then we just we just kind of follow that character along until the natural conclusion of uh you know with ashley judd you know killing or imprisoning some man that has wronged her in some way god bless her um but you know i i think that it's in the the two men who uh who are captured here they're 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 obviously they're emasculated in some way by another man like they're stripped uh there's total control that he he takes he drives a lot of pleasure from uh, having them, as you said, move a certain way, which has a practical side effect, but it's also like, I think he's getting like a thrill out of it as well. He likes having that because there are simpler ways for him 
than having to like if he was just trying to get from town to town. Uh, it, it's the same in uh, No Country for Old Men. There, it really makes no sense why our killer has people flip a coin, other than he gets pleasure out of like saying, "Really, I'm I'm giving you the control by putting it in this object's hand on whether or not it ends your life or not." Um, so I, I think that she brings some of her her own sensibilities to something that you wouldn't necessarily necessarily expect. Certainly, if you were like actually alive at the time and following her career, like all the the movie podcasters were then and the film bloggers uh, back <laughs> back then. Uh, yeah, this would be one I think would catch would catch people off guard. But I, I like that she uh, does not lose the human touch, even though when it is a, a crime thriller. Yeah, and I think that that thing you mentioned earlier about like stripping them of their humanity i think is is really powerful here but also a little bit confused right so you have the beginning of this where they do the human thing uh to pick up this guy stranded at the side of the road and that ends up uh which the movie poster is telling us never do yeah don't uh, that do this that movie yeah right but then later in the movie like they don't give up their humanity and in some ways that's that's why they end up surviving and that's why this villain gets caught. So it's a little, it's a little back and forth, but I think it's still, it's still an interesting look at like, what is <laughs> I the see right the thing to you do? Learned. Don't, <laughs> don't pick anybody up. Just don't keep on driving. <laughs> that is the lesson I have learned. And I think Ida Lupino would be proud of that. That's what she said at the beginning of the movie. And by the end, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to risk getting shot, uh, crossing the border in Mexico. So I think I'm going to. I, think I'm I already think I'm a good out. enough. I'm a good okay. enough egg already. I know that. Sorry. Sorry. I don't need to test myself with this. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the time. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, so that is it for the Hitchhiker. In our last episode of the month, uh, we are going to be taking a look at the Bigamist, and of course, we'll talk about our favorites, our best, and our masterpiece of Ida Lupino's career. And somewhere in between there, we will be doing a Patreon-only episode. Um, and if I could bring that up, yeah, the movies we were talking about are Outrage and Hard, Fast, and Beautiful, which the title of that one sounds like a Mike special. That sounds like something you, you nailed it. I was like, man, you're reading that off. I'm like, that's the one I want to see now. That's, <laughs> that's the one I'm looking forward to. Is that about tennis? Do I have it, that right? It is. You are correct. Yes. Cool. Yes. Absolutely. Fine. I'll take it. So mm-hmm. so if you were like Mike and it easily entranced by titles like Hard, Fast, and Beautiful, uh, you should not only follow us on Twitter at uh, DirectedByPod, but you should also donate to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month and you can get those extra episodes. That's just patreon.com slash a podcast directed by.